Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interview Allison Schickel, CEO, founder, and inventor of The Brobe. Brobe is a bra and robe combination for women after mastectomies or any kind of chest surgery. This post-surgical garment is comfortable yet chic. And it has pockets to hold cooling packs and drainage bags to support women during their post-surgery recovery. Allison has an incredible story of resilience. She gets super personal with us on record about her background and her upbringing. Her authenticity and vulnerability was so beautiful and moving. I believe that those with tough beginnings like Allison are actually the best kinds of founders because we understand adversity and overcoming it. And so I was honored to really hear her story. And I think it's uh, precious that she's sharing it with all of us around the world. Brobe has been wildly successful, having sold over 40,000 brobes to women recovering from breast cancer. Get ready to be inspired. This is an awesome interview. Enjoy. Hey, Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk about Brobe today. You, I saw you pitch um, almost a year ago. It was like 10 months ago or so in Austin, and you commanded that stage. And I said, I don't know who that lady is, but I want her to be my friend. And you actually sat down in front of me, and I tapped your shoulder. I don't know if you remember, but I was like, hey, we need to hang out. You're really awesome. <laughs> I do. I was actually just telling my husband, he was like, who are you doing the podcast with? And I go, it's a woman. She tapped me on my shoulder for the <laughs> for the first time at uh, an event. Yeah. A four minute pitch. And I was like that right there, her, we're going to be friends. Yep. So I'm really excited to have you on the show and to talk about your company Brobe, but let's start with Allison's background. Where are you from? What did you study, you know, and how did you end up in femtech? So um, <laughs> I actually grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, I, um, I, to be honest, I was not a good student. I struggled a lot all through school. Um, I can remember, you know, growing up and um, I have an older sister who was the type that never had to open a book mm. and, um, you know, got made straight A's. And I was just not that way. I literally would bring home, you know, a a pile of books and my mom and I, I mean, this was probably fourth or fifth grade. Um, My mom and I would stay up studying and um, I would go and take the test and I would come home and I would show her that I failed the test. Mm. And I just can, I can remember the feeling of why why can I not get it? Why yeah. can I not, why not, why can I not comprehend what they're, you know, what we are studying in school? And it immediately gave me that, um, that feeling of, 
oh, I'm an idiot. Mm. Oh, I'm stupid. Oh, I don't, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I'm not smart. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I still, to be honest, I mean, I still struggle with that today, even though, you know, it's like, it's like the logic side of yeah. your, you know, your brain goes, of course you are, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they look at these accomplishments, but then, but then there's so much about me that, you know, I can sit there and go, oh my gosh, whenever I'm giving a talk or whenever I'm giving a, a presentation, all I can sit there and think is, oh, you know, they, they must think I'm stupid, mm-hmm. um, which absolutely is just not the case. But whenever I was growing up, um, I really struggled in school and I can remember my mother, um, one night I was crying to her and, and, and I was saying, I just don't understand like what's wrong with me. And I remember very vividly, um, sitting in my living room and my mom saying, baby, I don't know why, but this, um, this perseverance that you have, that you have, um, of just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying, that's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. And, um, and of course I thought, well, that's the, so stupid. Like <laughs> what, a, what a dumb thing to say. And, um, and she would always make this. And I actually, you know, whenever I give talks, like I, I title the talks leap and the net will appear because she used to say that all the time. Oh my God, I love and I that. like, Oh my gosh, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, but I actually like live my life for it. <laughs> it now. So, um, so fast forward, I somehow miraculously graduated high school. Um, you know, I just wasn't, I just really wasn't into studies. I was really into my friends and into my boyfriend and into parties and, um, and I just had a good time. Mm -hmm. And, um, but one of the things, um, that, you know, that, that has changed over the years is that perseverance and that grit mm-hmm. always stayed mm-hmm. always. So fast forward many years later, um, I, uh, so back to my mom real quick. She, she probably drilled it in my head. I mean, a thousand times you need to wait till you're 30 to get married. You need to wait till you're 30 to have babies. You just wait, <laughs> wait, wait, like come world date, have fun. And, um, so of course I did travel but whenever I traveled, I met a man when I was <laughs> 23 and I had a baby at 23. And, um, so I'm like showing you mom. Um, so, uh, where's the net you, mom? Where's the net, right? <laughs> uh, where's the net? So, um, so I had a baby at 23 and, uh, and got married at 23 to a man that I met in Colorado whenever I was just supposed to go work up there for the summer as a bartender. I mean, like that's, <laughs> That was kind of my life. Allison right? living so, her best yeah. life. Yeah. So I mean, I was, I was young. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we get married. I have the baby, and two months after, um, I got married. My first husband, Rick, was diagnosed with kidney failure. Oh no! And it was like a, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like. Uh, like breaks what's happening what's going on um you know he was the the idea was that we were going to move from Colorado to Fort Worth back where my dad lived um and where I grew up and um and he was going to work Rick was going to work and I was going to go back to school and finish my degree in who knows what um <laughs> I, I, have, I have a major degree in school of hard knocks 
And, um, and so I was going to finish my degree and I was going to, you know, be a stay at home mom. And, um, and then, and then his, he got diagnosed with kidney failure and everything just completely came Mm. to a halt. So I had, you know, one job and then two jobs and then three jobs and Rick was on dialysis three days a week. And, um, you know, I mean, we were broke. I mean, broke. And, um, I would, so he would go to on dialysis Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we had one car and I would get up in the mornings and, um, get him up and get the baby up and I would drive him to dialysis and then I would come home and I would rush to get into the shower to get ready and I would get the baby ready. And then I would go to my first job as an executive assistant, um, for this financial planner. And then at my lunch break or at lunch, I would go pick Rick up. I would take him home. I would put him to bed. I would get dressed into something more casual. I would go work at my daughter's school at her daycare so I could afford for her to go to school there. Oh my God. And then um, around four or five, I would bring her home and we, you know, we would uh, get her ready for dinner and then I would go and wait tables at night. Oh my God. I did that for, for, you know, a couple years. Mm -hmm. And and then it got to the point where it was just like, it was just too much. And um, so we ended up moving to Austin. Um, It's where my mom lives. It's where I lived before I had moved to Colorado. And um, I ended up, you know, Rick was getting really pretty bad. um, uh, Just having a really difficult time. And so I had to uh, luckily, I actually ended up getting a job at Nordstrom's and, um, and I, I just, I won't ever forget this because I, I had brought him home one morning or one afternoon, put him to bed. And I just remember sitting there looking at him sleeping and he was, he was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just thought I've got to do something more. Like I have to do there, there has to be more than me working three different jobs and so I literally went to my um, closet and I had like one blazer and one pair of nice pants from like Express and, <laughs> um, and I put it on and I got in the car and I was like, I'm going to go find a better job. And I went to get, and I got in my car and of course I drove to the mall. Like, why wouldn't I go to the mall? And um, so I go to Nordstrom's. I don't even think I had ever even been in a Nordstrom's. <laughs> And, but the only thing I knew about Nordstrom's was that they were really big on customer service. So, um, I walked into Nordstrom's now this is before everything was like online, right? Mm -hmm. Like you actually like hand had to hand fill out an application and I go directly to the makeup counter and I'm like, Hey, uh, are y'all hiring? And they're like, I don't know. And so they, you know, shoot me upstairs and I filled out this application and sure enough, Two days later, got the interview uh, for a manager, a counter manager for um, for a skincare line. And they hired me. And it was like the best thing that could have ever happened because I was able to get rid of like two jobs. And and it was Nordstrom's, you know, and I got to play in makeup and skincare all day. I mean, it was just it was it was a really good escape. Mm-hmm. And so um, so we eventually moved to Austin and my husband got, you know, really more and more sick. And so he couldn't watch our daughter on the weekends or at nights. And so I ended up going and working, um, for a financial planner, um, being the office manager. And, um, and 
you know, and, and did that for a while. But um, during this time of working all these different jobs, I literally felt like I was sprinting like every single day, like going here, going here, going here. Mm-hmm. Going here. And um, it was during that time that I uh, had the idea to put a bra inside of a robe. I and mean, it was a very like simple idea. I would get in the shower sweating because I'm in, well, we're in Texas. Yeah. And it's yeah. humid. Yeah. And I would, yeah. um, so I would get in the shower sweating and I would get out of the shower sweating. But if I wanted to do my hair or do my makeup, then um, I would just like, I was in this tiny little apartment bathroom and I would be like sweating all over my face. And the problem, the major problem that I had was that if you have any type of boobs at all, then you sweat under your boobs. Boob sweat, y'all. It's real. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that is a real struggle. Definitely in Texas as well. Yes. Totally. And so, um, so I just, I remember having this fleeting thought, like, can I just not, can I just get out of the bathroom and just have an all in one, you know, bra inside of a robe and, um, you know, and, and it'll just be like an all in one thing that I could like, I don't care if I get sweat on it. I don't care if I get makeup on it. You know, I don't feel like I have to like put a bra on before leaving my bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought, well, this is obviously an ingenious idea. Somebody's already come up with this. I'm gonna go buy <laughs> and, um, and I spent five years searching for this and I would go to Victoria's Secret I'd go to Selma I'd go to Nordstrom's I'd go to Dillard's I'd go Macy's wherever it was and I'd be like hey do y'all have you know a bra with a you know inside of a robe or inside pajamas or you know something other than that tank top that has the shelf Mm -hmm. bra that literally would like fall out of Um, and they're like, no, but you're like the thousandth person that's asked for something like this. I'm like, ah, (laughs) um, so fast forward, you know, a couple years later, I, um, ended up moving to Austin, Rick and I, and and my daughter McKenzie ended up moving to Austin. And in 2007, Rick died of kidney failure. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I was, I mean, I was 29. I was 29 with a five-year-old daughter who had just started kindergarten that week. And, um, and my husband who was 36 years old, you know, was, was gone. And I was like, oh my God, what, like, what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I sit there and think, I feel like there's so many people like my grandfather who worked at a job for, I don't know, 40 something years that he hated, (laughs) hated it and couldn't wait to retire. And then he retires and then he dies six months later. I mean, like, Oh my gosh, that sucks. Right. Like that's, and I, I mean that you hear stories like that all the time where people are working at these jobs that they just absolutely hate. And then they retire. And, and I was just, so I felt kind of blessed that here I was 29 years old. And it was like, I had this kind of epiphany of, I don't want to go work for somebody who, you know, I don't believe in and who doesn't believe in me. And I don't want to go work for a company that, you know, I just doesn't have the same mission and values that I have. And, um, and so I, I, uh, I quit, <laughs> I quit my job <laughs> and, um, and I ended up taking like six months off and I took that six months and I slept a lot Good. because I was exhausted. Yeah. I worked out a lot. I drank a 
shit ton of wine <laughs> and, um, you know, and just tried to like regroup and yeah. figure out what did I want to do? You know, I mean, I had kind of this second chance to figure it out. And I knew that I wanted to do something with a purpose. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew that there was something innate in me that I had a lot to give, but I just didn't know what that was. And, um, but I actually, so back to giving a, a giving talks, I, I do give talks about listening to that inner voice, but I'm not going to get down that road. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, so that's what I ended up doing was I took about six months off and I mean, I, I volunteered at my daughter's school and I was right. like, you know, I mean, I did every single volunteer thing that there was. And, um, and so in a couple years later, you know, I ended up getting like odd end jobs and started a different company, um, totally different than Brobe. And, and that really helped me, you know, learn about entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but, um, ended up meeting my now husband, um, who is a paramedic for the city of Austin. And, um, we, you know, he, he had actually seen this prototype that I had made a couple years before I was, I ended up just going, you know, to a target, um, and finding a cheap robe and finding all these different bras, because I didn't even know, I mean, after going and looking and talking to all these different, um, you know, salespeople and asking them if they had anything like this and they're like, no. And I'm like, finally, you know, I just was like, screw it. I'm just going to go and just make my own. Yeah. And, um, and so I did and it worked and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I knew it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Such a, it was just like, it was so simple. It was dumb. And, um, and so I just wore this bra robe combination. And, um, so my husband, uh, one day came home, he used to work the night shifts and he came home and he was like, Hey, you know, if you ever do anything with that bra robe idea, you should do something for women with breast cancer. And I'm like, that's weird. I don't know anybody with women with breast cancer. Mm. And so he had had a patient that morning that had breast cancer. And so sure enough, a couple days later, I was having lunch with a client friend of mine. Her name is Wendy. And, um, and, um, her name is Wendy and she, um, I started telling her about my bra robe idea. And she goes, you know, if you ever do anything, you should do something for women with breast cancer. And I'm like, weird. Why would you say that? And she was like, well, I had a double mastectomy a few years ago and I've had reconstruction. And I've now had, at the time, she had had four or five surgeries. And mm-hmm. so she was explaining to me what it was like to have these post-surgical drains. She had four to six of them with every single surgery. And, um, she ended up telling, you know, she ended up coming to my house a couple of days later and showing me what they gave her in the hospital. And I just remember looking at this garment mm-hmm. um, that they gave her in the hospital. It was looked like a bra. And, um, and the best way I could describe it was it looked like something out of like eighth grade home ec. I mean, it was just absolutely awful. It was um, falling apart literally within my hands. And it was enough for me to go, you know what, I'm, it, I'm, it lit a fire enough in me yep. to go, I'm going to go see what's out there. Yeah. I'm going to go see what's available for women out there. And so that was really how it started. And, um, you know, whenever I went and started doing the market research, everything that I fat and that I found was really drab and mm-hmm. it was overpriced and it was ugly and it was made for, you know, you know, the 95 year old grandmas. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, I actually went to a really high end, um, boutique lingerie boutique and asked them, you know, what do they offer women who are coming in here for surgery? And they showed me to this corner of the store in the back of the store. And it literally was moo's with Care Bears on it. And I was just wow. like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is ridiculous. So, uh, so after that, it was like, you know what? I talked to my husband, Matt, and we took, I mean, you know, we were newly married and I was pregnant at the time and uh, newly pregnant. And um, we took, we had a thousand dollars in savings and we took that thousand dollars and I found a seamstress here in Austin and we worked for about three months on a prototype and, um, you know, had the prototype. I got, I called up Susan G. Komen, which was the only foundation that I knew that I knew of at the time mm-hmm. um, here in Austin and said, Hey, can I come in and meet with you? And you just tell me if, if this is a good idea. Yeah. And, um, and so I went in and I met with them and of course, here I am, you know, four months pregnant and I'm hormonal and mm. they, you know, I'm meeting with the executive director and I'm meeting with the marketing person and they brought in a woman who had just had a single mastectomy the week before. Yeah. And she was 27 oh and my gosh. She, um, uh, her mother had had breast cancer. Her grandmother had breast cancer. I think it died of breast cancer. And, um, and it was just very raw and very new to her. Mm-hmm. And, um, she just tried them all on and just was crying and was like, you have to make these, like you absolutely have to make these. Um, and so at that point, it was one of those things where I just did listen to my gut mm-hmm. and, um, and I called my husband leaving that meeting before I even got to the elevator and I mm-hmm. called him and I said, I hope you're ready to peanut butter and jelly it because I'm a quick <laughs> job and we're going to go down to one income. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of the, that was the beginning. Wow. Oh my gosh. What an inspiring story. First of all, I am um, just in awe of your resilience. Like your mom said, you know, uh, from the get go. And I actually have a, a theory that many successful founders, if not the majority of them, have PTSD because this life of a founder is not a normal one. And usually people who live the founder life and do it pretty well and even choose to do it, actively choose to live it, are people who are accustomed to having multiple fires in their life at any given moment and chaos. And, you know, we actually thrive in that. You know, I'm a a survivor of trauma and I have PTSD and I, I feel like I do thrive the most in kind of a little bit of a chaos, right? And, but especially when I know I have some control over it because I'm choosing it and it's my company or it's my product or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I feel like your story really lends yourself to being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because you're constantly living. Well, as my therapist likes to say, you're constantly in fight or flight mode. Uh And she's like, you've been in a fight or flight mode for, I mean, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know anything other than that. Mm-hmm. And whenever you start a business and the ups and downs and the roller coasters and the crazy and the chaos, um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a fight or flight. I mean like yep. that, there yep. are no other, I, I don't even know how else to describe it. Yeah. So, well, I'm um, just so impressed yeah. with you and so proud. And I just, so I just wanted to acknowledge your story and thank you for being authentic. That's what we, we treasure on this podcast. So thank yep. you. Can you just tell me and our listeners 
why would a woman need a specific kind of bra after a mastectomy? So what is besides like potentially not having a breast or two breasts anymore? What are the other like qualifications that are required there? Sure. So um, when a woman has breast cancer and whether she has a lumpectomy, which is very different than a mastectomy, um, and some women have double mastectomies, some women have single mastectomies, um, and there's there's a a whole whole range of surgeries that they could have. But the reason why somebody would want, um, so what happens is 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 you're basically cut especially if you're not getting reconstruction right then Mm -hmm. you're cut from one side of your chest to the other side of your chest and your breasts are literally removed. Um, and now of course every, you know, every cancer diagnosis is different. Every person is different. Um, but for the most part, you don't have a whole lot of muscle movement because, because your chest has been cut open. Yeah. And, um, so not only do you not have any breasts, but you really have a very hard time moving your arms. Like I, I hear it all the time where people talk about how they have the T-Rex arms because mm. they can't move past like their, their shoulders, like up. Um, you really have very little muscle movement. So with our bra that comes with the recovery probe or that we sell individually, um, you know, we, it fastens in the front with Velcro and then has pockets inside the bra to hold ice packs and or a prosthetic breast. And the reason why that's important is when you are cut from one side to the next, um, chances are, I mean, you're going to be bruised, you know, you're going to be burned. I would hear from women, I would talk to women and they would say they would take frozen peas and stick it on their chest Mm. and, um, and just how uncomfortable it was and how they couldn't find a bra because um, most of the bras fastened in the back and they couldn't do that. Um, or they, um, or they had hook and eye, which would be really hard for them to hook, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Um, and so we tested zippers, we tested buttons, we tested snaps and the Velcro was really the easiest. Yeah. Um, it was the easiest for them to get on. It was, it was just, it was just the easiest. And so, um, so that's why we have the bra that we have. Um, what was your other question? I can't remember. Um, that was pretty much, well, like why did, why do after mastectomy surgery, do you need a specific kind of bra? And, you know, you touched on it that it's, there's a lot of bruising, there's lack, lack of muscle there. Yeah. And so, and a lot of times, um, the doctor and every doctor is different, but, um, they, when you come out of surgery, you'll probably have a compression bra on and that's not our bra. Um, the compression bra you wear for a couple of days, Mm -hmm. a day or two, and you just have to have that bra. So it's, that's like a super tight, 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 tight sports bra or a made, you know, a big bandage or something Mm -hmm. like that. You have to have that right after surgery, but then, you know, then they put on our bra and they basically live in it for weeks. If not, you know, even after the drains come out, it's such a comfortable bra. I mean, I sleep in my bra every night because of, you know, the big boobs, um, <laughs> and, uh, the boob sweat. So, yeah. um, so yeah, they're just super comfortable bras. Can you tell us about the drains? I know you mentioned that in your pitch and whenever I talk about brobe, I, I mentioned this part. So tell our listeners, what, what are you talking about when you say drains? So drains, um, we're talking about the Jackson Pratt drains or JP drains. 
Um, when you have any major surgery, it doesn't matter if it's a mastectomy or open heart surgery or tran organ transplant or plastic surgery, you're going to have what's called post-op fluid drains. And you have, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man or a child, you have to have these drains so your body doesn't swell. And some people mm. have one drain, some people have eight drains, some people keep the drains in for, you know, two weeks, some people keep them in for months. Wow. Um, so the, the point of the drains is it's a long tube that is literally protruding through your skin that releases fluid from your body into what looks like the end of a, um, plastic grenade. That's what it looks like. Whoa. And it, it, it holds about two ounces of fluid and you have to empty this fluid like every hour or so. Oh my gosh. So if you can imagine there's, there's this long you know, post, there's this long skinny tube coming out like a basically your armpit, um, or the side mm -hmm. and, um, and it's releasing fluid. And so it's going into this drain, but there's nothing to hold like the drain, the, the, the skinny part of the drain is about two feet long. So if oh you have gosh. this long drain, you have to do something with it. I mean, you can't just be dangling there. So <laughs> yeah. that was, that was the whole point of what, when my friend Wendy was talking to me about, you know, she was um, taping the drains to her skin and it would cause skin irritation oh because God. she was allergic to the adhesive to the skin or she would pin it to the inside of her shirt, which would cause her limited mobility because, you know, it's moving back and forth. And then I, and when she would explain to me what it was like for her to go to the bathroom and how she would have to prop these like little grenades upon her forearms, it was like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, so some people, I mean, it, it varies with everybody, but anybody who has any major surgery requires these JP drains. Oh my God. And so Brobe facilitates these drains by having those pockets that can hold them. Yeah. It has pockets inside the robe to hold the post-op fluid drains. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the bra, you can connect the bra because it, it's kind of based off of that first idea that I had mm -hmm. of just a bra inside of the robe. Um, so you can connect the bra or detach the bra. And the reason why you would want to connect it is because, as I said earlier, your arms are, have limited mobility. And so when you take that compression bra off, you basically have somebody just help you put the robe on and you basically live in it um, for however long you have to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it keeps the, the brobe itself that has the pockets inside. I mean, it just keeps it secure. Mm -hmm. You know, it, there's mm -hmm. a lot of these women, you know, they're, they're young women, they have young kids at home and they already are dealing with, you know, the fact that they, they don't like their kids seeing them without any hair or mm. eyebrows or eyelashes. And so they certainly don't want to come home and have their kids see them with all these drains hanging from their body. And so the, the brobe really hides everything and keeps it very secure and keeps it very safe. And it not only hides it, but your fabric, your designs are absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Looking at your website, I was like, I mean, I don't wish any of this upon me, but these are very fashionable. And I yeah. can imagine that one of the you know goals of brobe is like not only a efficiency and effectiveness, but also like to empower that woman and give her some respect in her life. Right. Totally. Uh, dignity and respect and independence. Mm. And I really, you know, the only thing I could think about whenever I was like designing this is I just wanted to give women their power back. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, I know that whenever I feel, whenever I'm sick, which being a mom of three, it's not like I get to be sick all that much. But if I am ever like really sick, I don't like feeling that way. I don't like feeling mm-hmm. dependent on other people. And this robe, all I could think about whenever, you know, I had to really, since I haven't actually ever had breast cancer myself, I had to put myself in those people in, in, in the women's shoes. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted, I wanted the women to feel like they had their power and their independence, because yes. to me, that that's important to me. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of aspects about the brobe that, um, you know, as far as the fabric and the durability of the fabric and, um, the colors that we choose and the style that we have, I mean, we put a lot of thought, um, into every single aspect of of our product. And, and then of course, all the other accessories and, and other products that have come since, you know, since we started in 2012. Wow. How many uh, women have purchased your products? So we have, uh, I haven't looked at the numbers as of yet, like this week or anything, but um, we have helped around 35 to 40,000 women just battling breast cancer alone. Wow. And that, yeah. And um, so that's not including anybody who has plastic surgery or open heart surgery Mm -hmm. or organ transplants, Mm -hmm. but that's just the breast cancer community. Amazing. And what do some of these women tell you? Do you get any like feedback? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I mean, it's what keeps me going. I mean, as an entrepreneur, <laughs> I mean, at least twice a year, I'm like, that's it. Yep. I give up. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, all the time. Um, I hear, in fact, I mean, I, I love talking to, to not just the women, but the, the caregivers. Um, mm. you know, the caregivers are a big deal because I was a caregiver yeah. and I can totally sympathize with them. Um, but, um, you know, the, the women that I hear from, they, I mean, we have hundreds, hundreds of testimonials on Amazon and on our website, but, um, they're just grateful. They're appreciative. They, um, I, I it is very rare that I hear from somebody that it's a negative thing. Yeah. Um, it is. Thank you for creating products like this. Thank you for giving, you know, giving my mom dignity during this horrible time. Thank you for giving my girlfriend, you know, some support during this. I mean, it is, it is so much gratitude and I just couldn't even imagine not doing this, Mm. you know, like doing what I was doing years ago and walking into an office where I felt completely depleted and, you know, disvalued all the time. Um, this is like so night and day. And so that perseverance that my mother kept telling me about and that grit, I, I now know that there was a reason for it. So that's right. Uh, you know, and I hear it through my customers. Yeah. Do you only sell in the U S or is it international as well? Oh, we sell, I actually just had a call yesterday morning with somebody from the Netherlands we're talking, we have people who sell in Jordan, Dubai, uh, India, Canada, uh, Spain. Um, and we're about to sign a contract with someone in South Africa. Oh my God. I'm so, yeah. I feel so lucky to be it's your crazy. friend. <laughs> you are helping it's all the crazy. women. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you notice, um, different types of like any cultural differences with the sale in these yeah. different countries? I mean, 
Yeah, Saudi Arabia um, and Jordan and Dubai. I mean, obviously, we're working with them um, about longer sleeves, longer mm. robes. Um, but other than that, that's that's really the only yeah. thing. Oof. And, you know, I I am just blown away by this. I mean, this is, is so important. And um, I know one of the things you like to speak about is fundraising. And that's something that we talk about lot, a lot at Femtech Focus is getting femtech and you know companies invested in and it's not just a female founder under invested in issue it's a we're going into boardrooms saying the word vulva for probably the first time that that room has ever heard the word vulva out loud and so right. um have you fundraised and you know what have you had any unique experiences you want to share about fundraising for you know this type of product yeah i mean i've fundraised i mean i've i've given I don't even know how many uh, presentations I've given. Um, mostly it's to men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to go in and know that, and I've learned this over the years, um, but I, I have to go in and know that or I have to have the mentality of, um, I know my business the best. Mm-hmm. I am the smartest one in this room whenever it comes to my business. Mm-hmm. And they are going to rip and tear. Ev- they're going to question every single little thing because they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I really have to go in there and educate them. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like it, well, then they're not a good fit. Um, then they're not the one for me. And mm-hmm. that has happened oh, a thousand times. Um, but the ones who actually get it and understand the mission and the purpose and the, the big vision as to where we want to go, then they get it. And, and some of them even who get it, I'm like, I don't know that I want to like jump in bed with you. You yeah. know, I mean, I literally, you know, I feel like you need to interview the, the investors as much as they interview you. And, and it's real hard whenever you're desperate for money. It's so hard yeah. Um, yeah. to not just, you know, jump in bed with the first, I say jump in bed. Y'all know what I mean. Yeah. Um, uh, not literally. Um, but you know, to, to, to get involved because it has literally, it has bitten me in the ass and I, I am still paying for it. So yeah. yeah. Wow. So amazing. You are a champion of our industry. You are, um, you know, you. providing power to women around the world. And I am just, I'm just so impressed. I'm really, I'm, Amazing. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. We have two more questions that our our listeners love to hear. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring femtech founders um, as our listeners. What is Mm -hmm. an area in femtech that you think still needs innovating? Oh, gosh. Uh, Anything that has to do with the vagina. I mean, seriously, I've had three C-sections. There's nothing out on the market. I mean, I think there are a couple of like underwear with like, you know, ice pack, anything that has to do with the vagina, like I think needs to be handled. Um, I don't know what else to say other than that's what I it's so funny because um I internally we always say it's kind of a trick question because the answer is everything. Everything in women's yeah. health and wellness needs innovating. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Everything. Can you, everything. Can you speak real quickly though to the C section? No one's actually brought that up on our podcast before. What is some of the issues that come along with having a C section? Oh gosh. Well, immediately after you have a C section, about twelve hours after you have your stomach cut open, they make you walk the halls. Mm. Um, 
and I'm going to walk too. Um, I'm tired of sitting. Um, and it's really, really painful. And there's no underwear out there that can help, you know, with, um, with the C-section. I mean, there's just, there's, there's nothing that will help, um, you know, take care of, of that, of, of the pain that comes along with having a C-section. Wow. Well, listeners, C-section, new topic (laughs) added to our list of things that need innovating. Um, And then our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now to be successful? Oh, man. More women uh, inventors and more women, uh, uh, well, inventors, innovators, um, speakers, and investors. And investors. Yep. Definitely. Because if we can get more women investors, we don't have to try to educate them about why vaginas are important or need help. Right. (laughs) It's a quicker pitch. We can get through the intro slides a little faster, get to the business model, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Well, uh, Allison, this has been so much fun. I am honored to be your friend. And uh, I know that we will definitely, uh, you know, collaborate on future projects. I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to have your story on our show. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Allison. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our interview with Allison Schickel, founder and CEO of Brobe. I hope you were as inspired as I was by Allison's story. Regardless of your grades, your traumas, your age, your education, regardless of any of that, you can be a founder. You can be an innovator. You can change people's lives. Just like Allison, the cards didn't say that she was going to go on to be this super successful businesswoman, but she stayed true to herself and her heart, and she just was resilient, and she kept doing the next thing that her heart told her to do. If you or someone you know could use post-surgical garment that provides comfort while still being stylish, visit thebrobe.com. If you love this podcast as much as I do, and you love hearing these intimate, vulnerable stories, then support the podcast. Share it with your friends, your network, subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on social media at Femtech Focus. I want to leave the episode today with the wise words of Allison's mom. Leap and the net will appear.